A voice is heard in Rama, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is not the most appealing passage, nor an image that is featured on Christmas cards. It is part of the story that has no place in our sanitised and santicized versions of the first Christmas. This is a quote from Matthew's account of Jesus' birth and what happens after the wise men return home by a different route. When Herod realised that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Herod asked the wise men to give him more details so that he may worship, but it is really so that he may murder. He is hell-bent on the elimination of a perceived threat. This is not the first time that a ruler in the Bible has exacted murder on the children of Israel. Pharaoh previously acted against the babies of the Israelites. Remember in Exodus 1, threatened by the numerical growth of the Israelites, Pharaoh oppresses and enslaves them. This harshness culminated in instructions to the Egyptian midwives to kill the baby boys of Israel by throwing them into the Nile. Herod is the new Pharaoh, but he is committing these atrocities against his own people. Matthew does not take us back to the Exodus to show precedence in his narrative. He actually takes us to the exile, to that quote from Jeremiah that we started with. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. It is personal. Rachel, the beloved wife of Jacob, the mother of the nation. Personalising the suffering gives it a human face. The weeping is also grounded in a particular place, Ramah, north of Jerusalem, which appears to have been a clearing camp for moving captives into exile in Babylon. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord after Nebuzaradan, commander of the Imperial Guard, had released him at Ramah. He had found Jeremiah bound in chains among all the captives from Jerusalem and Judah who were being carried into exile to Babylon. I can't help but think of scenes from the Holocaust with women being separated from their children. The gut-wrenching heartache of families torn apart and children lost. It is as if Rachel from the grave is weeping at the desolation, the separation with no prospect of return, and the loss of hope. It is a poignant and powerful image. A voice is heard in Rama, mourning and great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. It is this scene that resonates with Matthew, 
looking back to the end of the era of kings, where judgment falls on Israel, losing the promised land and the temple. The scene that Matthew quotes from the judgment of God on the people takes place within a promise of restoration after exile. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they will be my people. This is what the Lord says, The people who survive the sword will find favour in the wilderness. I will come to give rest to Israel. The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I will build you up again, and you, virgin Israel, will be rebuilt. Again you will take up your timbrels and go out to dance with the joyful. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbour or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This is a fantastic passage about the new covenant, about new life and new hope. God will do what people cannot do. The Lord will make all things new. So what is the brief tragic cameo of a weeping Rachel doing in what is essentially a chapter full of hope and promise. There is no need for us to speculate. This is what the Lord says, Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of the enemy, so there is hope for your descendants, declares the Lord. Your children will return to their own land. An indigenous elder commenting on this passage said, Soothing Rachel's tears are the promises that encircle her sadness in pain. It seems like the end of the story, but there is more of the story still to come. Creator makes everything new. No thing is beyond his hand. Through the tears of Rachel, is great hope, mercy and love. Grieving mothers in their distress, there may be little comfort now, but there is hope to come. His words of healing, resilience and hope are all the more powerful given the intergenerational trauma that his family and community have experienced with cumulative emotional, psychological and physical wounding. Which is precisely why Matthew includes this quote at this time. 
For what is fulfilled in the events he is describing is not just the deep sorrow of Rachel at the awful events of the exile, but the great promises of restoration that embrace Rachel's tears. So too, the mothers of Bethlehem have a comfort even in their most awful moment. In the child Jesus, there is someone who can bring joy and peace to this most distressing of tragedies. He is the king who will triumph over all evils. He is the son who will one day willingly give his life so that others may live. He is the one who brings with him a fulfilment of all that Jeremiah promises, including the comforting of the previously inconsolable Rachel. It is captured in the joys of Mary's song as she anticipates what God is going to do through the baby Jesus she is carrying. I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Saviour God. God took one good look at me and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. And later, it's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. It's not that this music drowns the wails of Rachel, rather that songs of jubilant praise and desolate heartache both have a place in our songbook. Christmas brings into focus the extremes of life, families gathered and separated, laden tables in warm houses and hungry homeless shivering outside, squealing children opening presents at the tree, and an empty chair at the table. It is the best of times and the worst of times. Maybe you can see a better time when all your dreams come true, and that may be just a fairy tale. This dissonance leads to a greater appreciation of the reason for the season. I don't know what song you will be singing this Christmas. If it is a lament, I pray that the good news of Jesus brings and sings some grace notes to your score. If it is a symphony of happiness, I hope it will harmonise with the requiems from the margins. I suspect for us, it will be a bit of both on Christmas Day. This is Christmas, not romanticised but true love. God entering into the wounded mess of fractured humanity to bring good news that is great joy for all people. One song I will be singing is one of my favourite carols. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels 
the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. <laughs>